Excuse me, but are you loving this podcast? If you are, you can support the show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. All you have to do is hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Excuse me. I have something to say. This is the podcast where we have real and open conversations about life and everything it throws our way. I'm your host, Sean Philip Naylor, and you can join me each episode as I talk with inspiring people who also have something to say. You can also join in on the conversations by contacting me directly through the show's official social channels, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at excuse me underscore pod, Facebook and YouTube, search excuse me, I have something to say, or visit our official website, excuse me, I have something to say.com. As always, all links are embedded into the show notes for you. And don't forget to click on that subscribe button. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, remember you can rate and review the show there. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you've all been well and that you're all looking after each other out there. This week, we're picking up the conversation right where we left off with our favorite vegan power couple, Rochelle Lindquist and Daniel Johnson. Join us today as we continue to get curious about veganism as we delve into topics such as the vegan tax, accidentally vegan foods, making big life moves and so much more. So Rochelle, last year during lockdown, you created your own podcast, which is called May Contain Traces of Soy. How has that impacted your own vegan journey? Yeah, um, it's been really good. I think doing the podcast, because I, I sort of decided to create the podcast because I was listening to a lot of vegan podcasts and sustainable living podcasts and also kind of researching a lot of the issues that they bring up. And I find that really interesting. So I was enjoying doing all of that, but I found so many of them were so kind of, these were people who'd been vegan for like 10 years or they've been like zero waste living and they keep all of their monthly rubbish in a small mason jar because that's all they collect now. Like the the intensity of the kind of tips that they had was so next level. It was like, you had to kind of be, right up here, right at the top of everything to sort of be able to take much of what they were talking about on board. And I wanted to create something that was a little bit more accessible because I think that we're seeing so many more people who are, I guess, vegan curious, you know, sustainability curious. They want to do something. They're not sure what they're afraid that taking on some elements of that lifestyle, but not all of them makes them a hypocrite, which I don't think it does. I personally think 
everyone can choose to what level that they do it like you doing the almond milk for your coffees that's a fantastic step you don't need to be doing everything to be doing something so yeah I wanted to make something that was more for people who were yeah at that level sort of coming in new vegans or um you know sustainable curious people or vegan curious people and it just kind of got me on a roll once I started to sort of research more and cover topics that I found interesting and jump between those two issues so trying to be more zero waste and um, being vegan and we were able to do lots of interesting episodes some of them were interview episodes some of them were me providing information on stuff which is a little bit more serious the one that I did about vegan mothers and the situation with feminism and veganism yeah that one was quite upsetting for a lot of people so I tried to not get too heavy on it but it's basically about it was about creating this kind of, yeah, this really open space where everyone felt comfortable. And I'm looking forward to getting back to it. I do have a plan to return to the podcast, but I did receive a lot of wonderful feedback from people. I had people contact me and, you know, tell me that I'd help them go vegan. And it was just really beautiful to be making a positive impact without sort of leaning too heavily on a lot of the rhetoric that a lot of vegans have so yeah and if it ever did get too heavy I I think that was I'm gonna even though I wasn't asked to give myself a shout out here and say a a good tactic Rochelle had was to just give me some wine and make me (laughs) co-host with her without much notice and if anyone's liking my stream of consciousness uh babble here but would like to hear it with added wine, go and check out some of Rochelle's um, episodes. There have been some... Uh... Look, the ones there with Daniel Crowhurst were loose. They were <laughs> loose episodes. I'm not going to lie. All right. That was very different to the general tone that I had that was much more, you know, sort of like educational usually or something like that. But when Daniel would come on, I would be like, what do you think of this? What about these foods? <laughs> it was, do you know food? what though? It was educational. And one of the things, like obviously you guys taught me a lot, just you know through your podcast and just through knowing you guys but one of the things and one of the episodes I think you were both on it together which was really good was accidentally vegan mm. oh yes that was there yes. was wine involved in that episode <laughs> oh yeah so that's one of the things I guess people don't realize that not everything is marketed vegan and not everything has to be because some things are just accidentally by default that way and you guys had Mm. some great stuff on your list the big standout one for me which we partook in some last night after after several glasses of wine is oreos who would have thought yeah creamy biscuits with the the, the white creamy center that you must think has some sort of dairy in it no vegan it's amazing like uh how many things are accidentally vegan oreos are a crazy one because you do assume that there's cream in Mm. the the center so it's really strange. Plus, it's like a chocolate biscuit. You would think that there would be egg and milk in the biscuit plus like chocolate. And if chocolate's not like 75% or more dark cocoa chocolate, then it's not vegan. So well, let's be honest, it's just a bit of flour and a shitload of sugar and some cocoa. I don't know. Palm oil. There's yeah. palm oil in there. Palm oil, right. So there, that's a contentious issue for some vegans because some vegans don't have palm oil because of the destruction um, to different animals' environments. But yes, uh, there's lots of good accidentally vegan food. There are. What Come on, list them off. Get, go, go, go. What do we got? We got Oreos. Barbecue we got shapes. Barbecue We got shapes. barbecue shapes. We got burger rings. Plain chips are accidentally vegan. Uh, sour straps. Some sour straps Ooh, are accidentally vegan. Yeah. Skittles. Skittles are vegan. Skittles are accidentally vegan. No way. Taste the yeah. rainbow. Yeah. Taste yeah. the fucking well, rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> month. <laughs> 
and as discussed before, you know, gelatin, uh, that's really difficult to, it's difficult to find, um, you know, a jube or a jelly style lolly that is. Sour Patch Kids. Oh, Sour Patch Kids are actually. Sour Patch Kids are actually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But primarily all of those, all of those sort of sweets by default have got some sort of gelatin in them. Um, Usually. So it does preclude you from eating a lot of those sorts of lollies. So, yeah, you, you just go and get the Skittles because you know they're going to be. And Praise 90, 99% Fat-Free Mayo is accidentally vegan, but they've now marketed it as vegan because I think they no, saw people. What they've done is actually released a vegan uh, mayonnaise from the same brand. And oh. um, I think it costs a little bit more than the 99% Fat-Free no. ones, which is actually vegan anyway. And yes. that, that leads us right there. straight yes. into the vegan <laughs> tax. But there are some other, what, what's some other accidentally vegan we're, stuff? We're going into vegan tax. All right. That's okay. We can stay on accidentally vegan. We can educate people. And then he hasn't we'll go got vegan anything tax. more, so he's just oh. gonna. No, you know what's not accidentally not vegan? The little uh, the the Tennessee whiskey thingies with the honey. Not accidentally vegan. Not accidentally no. vegan. No, absolutely not. Comes with bee stings. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So vegan tax. It's a thing. Like we yeah. see it all the time. And I think one of the ones you used as an example was the magnums. Not only mm. do you pay more for a vegan magnum, you get less in the box. Yeah, sadistic. Like, because obviously when people are going to be... Wait, what, look what's happened here. Rochelle's gone vegan. She's encouraged me to, you know, give it a burl. I mean, especially in the past year when we've had all these lockdowns and things, are they trying to break up um, marriages and partnerships and things here and create you know, disharmony in households, you get three magnets in a box. Now that's, look. He's so passionate, guys. He's so passionate about this issue affecting the vegan community. Yeah, see, I am a passionate. Strong issue. And I know he's not the only one because I have another friend, Jacqueline, and she loves a good vegan magnum. But she also takes umbrage with the fact that there is only three. It's ridiculous. They're trying to start fights. Yeah, and I mean, what, what, are they or is it, or do they know what's going on and they know people are going to buy it two boxes of three? Because, look, generally that's what happens. Yeah. Because you, you know you can't, you, you, you can't have, it's just not fair. If you live in a household of two and you bring home three treats, it's, it's not going to work. Like, what are you going to do? Get a knife out and cut one halfway down the middle? You could do that, but, it's, but they're not huge. They're a bit smaller than the other magnums too. Yeah, um, vegan tax. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, what joke. else? Let's talk, let's talk more about the vegan tax as a whole and less on the magnums. Sorry, that was... <laughs> My fault. I brought them up. But I mean, it's a real thing. Like vegan food is so much more expensive than just non-vegan food. Yeah, it is. And I think that um, a lot of it comes down to like when it is a company, not a big company, but a company that is all vegan, that's trying to make vegan food for vegans and they are an ethical vegan company. It's more expensive for them to get started and it's more expensive for them to get all of their, you know, products and everything they need to create it and to have a place to do it that doesn't also create animal product food, you know, all of those considerations probably do increase the cost along with the marketing of it as well. When you want to be ethical, it costs a little bit more. And a lot of smaller businesses are the ones responsible for putting out these specifically vegan branded foods. And so they, they are going to charge a little bit more because they have to, to recruit their costs. Yeah. And it's, it's also scale, I suppose. So um, yeah. if, if you're making, you know, your cocktail Frankfurt's and, you know, the footies on, you'll, you'll see in your, in your, grocery catalog they're all you know hey come and get your your party pies and your cocktail drinks and all that stuff and you know they're making those in such mass quantities that a it's all off cuts of meat that aren't being used for other bits and pieces and b 
they're not having to segregate that from other products and their production lines and all that. And just shitloads more people are going to buy those than um, the, the much. The demand of- is higher. So yeah. when the demand is higher for the, you know, the status quo animal product version and the demand is smaller for this more specialized vegan version, they can't be as sure for the return on investment when they do larger product lines. And so they have to do smaller lines and wait for interest to build. But as time goes on and we see more interest building, there are cheaper versions of the more expensive versions of things because we start to have proper commerce happening for that whole sector. Yeah, when there's competition there, you might go, oh, I haven't seen this, um, which has happened. And then sometimes you see some um, some substandard like substitute meat burgers that were on the shelf six months ago that your local store doesn't stock anymore. And Conversely, you'll see new ones that are a bit cheaper than one of the more well-known, like your Beyond Meats or whatever. And I'm all for that because the more variety and competition that's there, A, more people might try one and find one they like, but B, the more of that that's out there, the I guess the more competition, the, the more variety and maybe the reduction of this uh, so-called vegan tax that there will be. I mean, surely, like the more that's out there, you're right. The more that floods the market, the more options are widely available to people, the more other people will have to drive their prices down to compete with, you know, someone else. Where that could potentially be problematic is when all those big companies start making their vegan products because they see it selling. And then they start undercutting those smaller ones that have been around for such a long time who have been trying to do it ethically and correct the whole way through. Oh, and then they're just getting yeah. slashed and undercut by, you know, the big wigs. That's a sad oh, day. But you know what? That's, that's already happening and that's been happening for quite a while. Like we were just talking about Magnum. That's owned by Unilever, which is one of the biggest companies in the world. <laughs> like biggest product, food production. And you know, they make everything from shampoos to... They're not ethical. Yeah, I mean, they're not, but, I, but I think still... But if, the Magnums are so nice. But there and companies like that, like probably your your Nestle's, and I'm not even sure if they're perhaps even connected to the other one yeah. I mentioned at the moment. But if they're making alternatives that aren't meat based, then surely that's also a sign that that's purely for a financial and market driven reason. So it, it does give oh, you, yeah, it's a double edged sword. But it does give you some encouragement that this is where this is what the market is demanding because they they're, they're not doing it. A big company. A huge, you know, monolith is not doing this to make them to make the CEO feel warm and fuzzy, are they? Mm. They're doing they're doing it because there's market demand for it. Yeah. So guys, with things like vegan tax and you know, there's a lot of challenges in trying to live a sustainable, you know, eco-friendly vegan lifestyle. What keeps you guys on the wagon? What keeps you guys motivated to keep pushing forward and trying to do and be better? I mean, the podcast was a fantastic source of motivation to learn more and to trial more ways in which to have more sustainable practices in our lives. Because like, obviously we mentioned before, we live in an apartment in Brisbane city high up, you know, there, there isn't really any option for us to do composting. So when I wanted to like learn a bit more about composting options and how to be a little bit more zero waste that way, we found a local place with a community composting um, center and garden. And we went and we were taking our scraps there for a while So it's definitely motivated me to find ways in which to live a more sustainable lifestyle and a more, you know, ethical vegan lifestyle in a a kind of city like this, where it's a little bit harder usually when you are city dwelling, like in the respect that it's harder to be sustainable because of those kind of factors, not being able to grow your own food, not being able to compost, but it's easier to find vegan foods and suppliers because you've got all these, you know, big vegan kind of takeout places like Lord of the Fries and, you know, 
in Netherworld and all that kind of stuff. So there's a double-edged sword on that. But yeah, that I think it provided me with a lot of motivation to try new things and to really push myself, you know, to sort of make the effort all the time where I could to, you know, implement new um, ways of coping with and like living our lives. But I don't think overall, like I don't really need much motivation to stay vegan in that I don't ever want to do anything that's not vegan. Like I don't, I don't ever go, oh, I feel like a chicken burger or a steak or anything. I'm like, there's a version of that if I want that. So it's not something that I, yeah, that I really feel like I'm missing out on anything there. But if it, if it was, it would come back to, if you've ever watched like Dominion or any of those kind of live export videos, the, the pain that the animals go through is pretty horrendous. It's upsetting. It's stomach turning. So it kind of, even if you did feel that way, I think that's where for most vegans, it just turns them back around to be like, yeah, no, I couldn't do that anyway. What about you? Well, I think it's something that I don't really give much thought to in some respects. It's just, you know, that, um, I don't know, you don't, you don't wake up going, I'm going to strive to do this. You just don't, you just you have already, it? you've already sort of re restructured your thinking and so yeah I mean I I do I look at things such as Australia has just ranked dead last in the world for climate action according to a new UN report now that's dead last that's worse than what we're doing on our vaccination rollout which is absolutely fucked as we all know that's horrible um, so we're dead last on you know I, I, I am doing it we don't have children or anything but I absolutely care about my carbon footprint and like I don't want to cause animals any pain or anything either. I really, um, now that once you do do it and realize what the alternative is, if you're not choosing a plant-based sort of um, diet, it's, it makes it a lot easier to go, well, this is, you just draw a line in the sand, I guess. And you kind of go, if everyone just did re restructure their, like have a couple of meat-free days a week, it would just r- reduce the demand for a lot of the animal agriculture that is causing um, a lot of yeah. these issues. Yeah, and I mean, ha- having a government that still um, is like so pro coal is not going to move us up the ranks in, in those t- sorts of reports anytime soon. But I do think it's just something that's just innate. You just go well like you're ordering some Uber Eats or something, you go, all right, well, there, there's actually a section on there that says vegan now. It's, so it's not about, it, it's it's just knowing on, on an educated level what not doing, not eating this way, how much more damage that's going to cause. And like, look at the heat waves going on in North America and Canada at the moment where they're like, they're approaching, you know, 50 degrees Celsius, you know, breaking heat records there. And this this isn't like Birdsville or... um you know Alice Springs or something these, these are like these cold are cold cities yeah. in Canada places where it's very cold usually yeah. and I mean so when you look at all that and go if I'm gonna not contribute if, if I'm gonna do you know I, and I know all the it's, it's the top 100 companies that do this many missions all that stuff but you kind of have to go well you can only do what you can do and if your own carbon miles and footprint are smaller as a result it's just not something worth worth going back on like you're not just going to go Ah, uh, stuff it. I, mm. I, I eat bacon again now because well, it's nice. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I mean, obviously, like eating a plant-based lifestyle reduces your personal carbon footprint by seventy-two percent. So it's a massive motivator to sort of know that you can do that and contribute to making it a slightly better world by by choosing that lifestyle. What about incorporating a move to a more zero waste lifestyle? Because obviously that's going to have some huge impacts. If everybody was doing it, that would have huge impacts to to the environment. So I know when you started your podcast, it was about 
um, vegan, eating vegan, living a vegan and a more zero waste lifestyle. Obviously, nobody's going to get to a complete zero waste lifestyle. But Mm. um, how do you incorporate that into what you guys do, how you guys live your day to day? Well, I mean, that really comes down to sort of getting educated about what you can do. And then it, it is about making the effort every single day. Once you set yourself up, it's much easier. So things like having your own takeaway coffee cup, your own water bottle, and then like going further to that, having your own knife and fork set so that you don't ever use plastic knives and forks, eating in at restaurants. And if you're going to get takeout, bring your own containers or, you know, seeing if they have like somewhere you can get takeout from that has these kind of recycled containers, reusing all of your jars, all of those little things and stuff like finding ways to compost, like I was talking about before, that all makes a difference and it all helps. But it's also, I guess, just about starting to buy less and think more um, a lot, you know, when you're going through choosing what you're going to spend your money on and what you bring into your life, you try not to buy stuff. And if you are going to buy stuff, you buy it secondhand so that, you know, it's already had a life somewhere else. And, you know, you have less of that contrib- that contribution to that kind of throwaway culture and fast fashion culture that we have in Western society. And, and jokes aside, you know, Richelle, pretending I have an 80% burger diet, but I, 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 do, I do like a good burger. But, um, but look, we do eat by a lot of um, fresh produce, probably more than what we used to, just because you kind of have to, partly. And so you might eat a lot more salad and vegetables. And also, in terms of those products that I was, I was saying before, you know, a, another alternative will come on the market or you know a new brand and sometimes an older brand that's you know a heritage uh, a heritage act amongst the uh, the vegan sausages or something they'll eliminate more of the plastic from the packaging so you, you can buy some now so i guess that's something you do you go well that one's basically as good as that one it costs 50 percent not 50 percent 50 cents more but um but it's it's only got cardboard now like there's no plastic in it whatsoever and yeah. you kind of feel like well i have no qualms buying that because yeah, it was a really good question because that is one thing that that is a bit of an ethical quandary is that despite trying to do your best, you're often buying things that that have packaging and but and so where do you where do you draw the line there? And I think you know hopefully that's something that these companies that are doing it for the ethical reasons are going to move a lot more away from like trying to not use you know purpose built plastic for that packaging and and I think once again that's going to be a, a market driven thing that, that the oh more, it is hmm. but unfortunately it's also that again is like a privilege thing too because the reality is not everyone can afford these expensive products no. that are vegan from these yeah. bespoke vegan companies that have cared enough to do their special recycled you know packaging that can be composted like that does push up the price point of whatever the item is that you're buying compared with going I'm going to go get a tin of beans because we can't afford much other food. And for some vegans, that is how they have to live. And like, you know, they don't have the option to sort of go, oh, we're going to make this much effort. But even just being vegan, it already contributes to a lower waste lifestyle. So quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Yeah. Now, what, uh, hoping none of the questions I've asked you today, what are some annoying questions that you get asked about being vegan by non-vegans? There are so many, to be honest. I mean, it's kind of like, there are people, it's not just questions, there's also assumptions. Like we had a friend over the other day who out of nowhere was like, oh, my, my friend used to be vegan and then they couldn't be because they found out that they had like a, a vitamin B deficiency and you've got to be real careful and you've got to make sure that you're reading that and like, are you getting vitamin? Did you know that you need vitamin B? And I was just like, been vegan two years and I know, like I probably have a better understanding of my health and like vitamin levels than you do, buddy, because you just eat like a regular diet and you don't think about it. So uh, you can take your judgment elsewhere. But people kind of, they make assumptions, I guess, that you're not very well, that you don't get enough protein, that you're missing vitamin B12 in your diet. So people make those assumptions and then they pose a lot of questions to you based on that. But other than like, where do you get your protein, which is the most obvious one, I think the questions that bug me the most are the ones where they're trying to kind of play a bit of a gotcha game with you, where it's like, so you're vegan, but... And then they'll preface it and go, you're vegan, but you do this. And they'll be like, I don't think that's ethical or that's not ethical enough if you're vegan, you know, because there's a lot of really, like we were talking about, a lot of very touchy subjects, things like palm oil, um, avocados, figs, all of these things. Avocados require um, a certain type of pollination, which means that sometimes bees are shipped to pollinate avocados. So it's that kind of stuff really bugs me because I'm like, you are doing nothing. You're literally standing here with a burger from McDonald's in your mouth arguing with me about the ethics of avocados like just (laughs) shut up you know (laughs) so yeah stuff like that bugs me it's it's kind of that and I think that kind of those kind of questions and that line of questioning stems from people feeling a little bit attacked by the fact that you're vegan because they I think a lot of people do know that it's I guess if you don't believe in animals being hurt if you are worried about the environment it's more ethically sound to be vegan so if you're vegan and you manage to do that it can kind of bother them because it makes them question their choices. So they want to then find a hole within your ethics so that they feel more comforted by, you know, the situation. I would say for me, it's, it's not even questions. Sometimes, sometimes it's questions and they're more often it's statements. It's just like, did you know? And often the statement's incorrect anyway, but it'll be like, did you know to grow soy or rice or such and such? But often it's soy and it'll be like, did you know that this much rainforest is wiped out to create, to make soy? Or did you know that soy is this, this labor intensive or, or corn or whatever the case might be? And then you have to point out, did, do you, did you know that the, um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but like there's such a large percentage of those food crops that only exist to feed livestock to which 
does take up a lot more um, agricultural land. And uses um, a lot more water. Yeah, and uses a lot more water in the first place. So it's, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, I suppose if, if you do your, your own research to the best of your ability and, and, and look at multiple sources, don't just find um, the confirmation bias. Uh, don't, don't find a source that's going to match your confirmation bias and go, yeah, look, I, I, I read this. Uh, I, I read this. Uh, this press release from the National Party that that says this about vegan food or or whatever. Or not. That's a bad example because have they put something out? Have they the National Party on uh, the vegan issue? Well, the, yeah, the vegan that, agenda. No, well, I, I think they they have that. That's what I was alluding to earlier about the the labeling and stuff. But I mean, I I think there's a lot of people that want this disproved, or or they or they want their own point proved because it um validates them yeah i i, I think it's and, and questions and it, it will be about oh did you know such and such about you're not getting enough iron or this and it's like you, you might look at someone that's saying that and it's like i know you you subsist on on hot chips and and, and fast food burgers i happen to know that and your your um question you're asking me is predicated on an often incorrect belief that i was eating you know brilliantly before i i went vegan I, i'd say my diet is you think i was healthy before yeah. no, but, but i guess because you are more mindful and you're going to eat specific vegetables that you're going to put in you put some um what's you, the yeast oh uh, nutritional yeast yeah, put, which has you know vitamin b12 in it we also take a supplement that has like you know iodine and vitamin b12 and iron and all of these complementary things that are supposed to help with that as well and that's just a backup thing that we do because you do have to be aware of and concerned with your vitamin levels but it's not just vegans that should be doing that it's anyone who's a human being on the planet so yeah and i guess for a lot of your homemade foods you'll you'll do something you'll make a bulk lot of something like a fried rice and make sure you just bulk that up with heaps and heaps of veggies and throw um, some tofu in there some nutritional yeast you know you have like maybe some avocado because the omega-3s in avocado help you absorb the iron a bit better it's just it's like a matter of balancing things i'm just realizing i'm not sure if we've answered your question because we've just like we got we started to Defending yeah. it, we posed a, an annoying vegan question to ourselves and then started defending ourselves. Right? But, you know, often it's people just trying to be smart asses, and you'll be in a beer garden. So, you're vegan now, hey? Is that beer vegan? And you go, Well, yeah, it is actually. And then you tell them what might what the process might be to make some of the uh, the beers from the mass produced places that they might be sipping. And you go, Do you know what they do to make that beer? And they go, Oh, really? And so, you know, speaking of gotcha moments, sometimes you can get one back. How's your fish guts? Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, so, of course, making the decision to become vegan is, for a lot of people, it is a big move, no matter where it comes from. And to try and live a more zero-waste lifestyle, that is a big move. And you two are often inspiring me with big moves. And I know that there are some big moves coming up <laughs> next in your lives. So tell me. What's next for you two? Well, yeah, we're actually, and this is pretty exciting for us. So Daniel and I uh, both grew up in Brisbane. We were both born in other states, but we grew up here with our families kind of near to each other on the Bayside. And we've lived in the city now for four years, like right in the center of the city. And before that, we had lived over at New Farm for a few years too. But we kind of decided out of nowhere to to move down to Tasmania and live with my parents on their eco farm. So they're building eco cabins and they have their own garden and orchard and stuff. And they're, you know, they're very interested in sustainability and whatnot. They need some help with that business. So we thought we would move down there and it's going to be this really fantastic opportunity for us to actually 
live more kind of zero waste um, and more sustainable lifestyles because we'll be able to grow some of our own food and we'll be able to do more composting and, you know, make more stuff from scratch. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. What Rochelle said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's, yeah, look, that's really, really exciting. Of course, we're all going to miss you terribly up here but now you've given us the perfect opportunity and reason to escape when we can and come down to Tassie and experience a little bit of uh, your new lives down there yeah I think it'll be a really wonderful kind of uh, you know move for us where we can kind of yeah just take it a little bit more slowly try some different things Daniel's going to be switching up what he's doing as yeah, well, which is going to be good. Uh, well, as you sort of mentioned, I, I am a journalist. I've you know covered music and the arts for a lot of years, and um, I was most recently doing um you know a property real estate job, and I've just jumped from sort of one. It's it's been a difficult industry for well, most of the time I've been in it really because it's 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 changed in various ways in, in the past nearly two decades that I've been involved in the industry and um and I'm fairly involved I'm you know on the state and federal council for my union I I've worked in print and online um, for some large publications some small publications I've interviewed some big names I've stayed till midnight doing the the grunt work um you know editing and and putting the paper together for the next day and, and, and all of it. And it's just been jumping from one job to another for, for so many years that it was kind of, our lease was coming up and it was a good opportunity to, Richelle hasn't, hasn't for very obvious reasons, I would say to most people listening, wherever they might be in the world, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a couple of thousand kilometres away and it's over a stretch of sea as well to get from Queensland to Tasmania. And um, for a lot of that time, there's been travel restrictions. There's, we've had some financial impediments as well, obviously. And just that fear that you're going to try and go somewhere for a week's holiday and not be able to come back to the state you live in because yeah. of um, a COVID outbreak or something. So Rochelle hasn't seen her parents for two and a half, pushing pushing three years, I guess, because she hadn't been down for a bit before this all, all kicked off. And it was a case for me as well to go, maybe it's time to, um, to not just keep jumping from one super high stress, high, um, high up journalism job to another and I'm going to be focusing on some freelancing. I've already got a few um few opportunities hopefully lined up, and um and just take the time to take a step back and and you know to slow down, slow down and take a breath. It's and, the best yeah. place you could go to slow down because you are out in the country. The town has literally less than 300 people. It's fewer than fewer <laughs> than, and it's just really really beautiful down there. And it's going to be this chance for us to focus in a little bit more on our core values. You know which it comes back to that kind of being sustainable you know doing meaningful work and we're going to be able to do that in a different way and we are incredibly privileged to have the opportunity to do it you know not everyone has parents who have run away to Tasmania and bought like 80 acres and set up some eco cabins but you know we are really lucky the opportunities there so we decided to take it and once we started talking about it all these signs from the universe just started coming one after another that really pushed us into making the decision um, you know, it was just like we were talking about it and then the, you know, the idea of it was like, oh, well, maybe when the lease is up and then the lease was up in only five weeks and they hadn't checked in with us. We were like, oh, wow. And then it was like, so when would our proposed date to fly down would be? Oh, probably around this date. And then we checked the flights and they were on special. Like it was just one thing after another that just pointed with big glaring arrows in the direction that we were making the right choice. So, yeah. I'm excited for you both. So when you guys move down there, obviously I'm hoping 
to get some more content from May Contain Traces of Soy. I feel like it's going to be a dream for you down there. There's going to be so much content that you could, you know, create um, visually and audio. And Daniel, you, again, continuing your podcast, you, I know that you've got a new episode, which is coming out soon, um, which would uh, likely be out by the time I release this one. But yeah, give yourselves, give yourselves a plug. Yeah, well, go and uh, check out May Contain Traces of Soy. You'll find a backlog of last year's episodes there. I've got the uh, Instagram page as well, where some recipes and stuff went up. And there is a website too that has a couple of recipes and also some blogs that were based on the content from the podcast. Uh, But that will be coming back probably in the next couple of months once we get down to Tassie and I can start planning and pushing out some new and varied content about what it's like to come from being a big city vegan to being a tiny town sustainable living vegan. And look, if anyone wants to check out my podcast, it's um, very different from Rochelle's, but it's called Artist of Fan. It's basically thus far it's an interview series with a bunch of uh, musicians, um, everyone from Ben Lee to Dave McCormick from Custard, who's also uh, Bluey's dad's voice on the on the television show Bluey, I, I, I might add. Um, I had Blake Scott, uh, Paul Dempsey from Something for Kate. I've got an episode with the absolutely wonderful Sahara Beck, who's just released a new single called Crave Me. You should check that out. Um, look, my podcast is on Spotify and a host of other places and you can follow me on twitter at dan johnson 1979 and on instagram at dan c johnson 79 and and look if there's anyone that wants to commission me to do some uh some freelance writing or editing uh <laughs> hit me up as well um you'll, you'll find me on linkedin or at one of the aforementioned uh places and um sometimes you've got to take the plunge and, and make the remote work thing work and seems to be far more of a um of a possibility these days than it used to be and, oh yeah definitely i mean i have been doing that for my previous couple of jobs anyway. So um, I'm, I'm open to uh, work opportunities as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, that's it's a plug, isn't it? It's You're a plug and that's what we wanted. We want plugs. Um, if you can't plug yourself, how the hell you got to plug anybody else? <laughs> Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> um, thank you guys for taking the time this morning to have this chat with me. Um, it's always interesting to uh, see things from different perspectives and to to you know to learn what motivates other people to try to be better, do better, and live better lives. And as I said before, you two big inspiration to me i love you both and thank you so much for coming on my little show oh thank you so much for having us sean it's been so wonderful i love coming on excuse me every episode i've done with you has been just heaps of fun really interesting to get involved with some research and just you know i love it and i'm always ready to jump back on so thanks again and i'll add you knew we were in lockdown and really what else were we going to be doing? We we couldn't really say no. Not that we would have anyway. It would be and, awkward if we did. Yeah. I mean, oh, sorry, we got, some, we got something on. What? <laughs> yeah. No. no, but look, jokes aside, thanks so much for having us. You know, we're equally big fans of, of Excuse Me. Yeah. And yeah, thanks so much for, um, for having us on. So guys, that's a wrap for this episode and our two-part conversation about getting vegan curious a massive thank you to daniel and rochelle for being so generous with their time and their experiences that they've had along their own vegan journeys we will check in with these two again in a few months and see how their new lives are going down in tasmania and of course dan and rochelle 
all of the Excuse Me family are wishing you to all the best on this new adventure. If like me, you guys are eagerly awaiting new content from these two amazing humans, then you can keep a watchful eye out on their socials. All links to may contain traces of soy and artist to fan are stored safely in this episode's show notes for you guys. So go check them out and give them a follow. But for now, stay safe, look after each other, and I'll see you next time. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.